Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dad Starting Over podcast. This is DSO and with me once again is none other than Mrs. DSO. See, I tried to fade it in that time. Yeah. And... Not as effective. Okay. And our daughter, a.k.a. the Bean. We need to have a, t- a different sound effect. It doesn't. Maybe we'll record one of her toots. <laughs> we don't need baby toots on here. Oh, okay. Okay, so what we're going to talk about today is a bit controversial, not necessarily politically correct, but it is a topic that I hear all the freaking time from men that I talk to in one-on-one sessions, men in our discussion groups, men in our meetings, and it goes like this. My wife has suffered from mental... You know, mental illness, that's a that's something that men rarely say. Um, difficulties, anxieties. She's had uh, she's dealt with anxiety and depression. She's been medicated. Um, ever since the birth of her child, she had postpartum and she's never come out of it. Um, she's had anxiety ever since she was a teenager. She had eating disorders, she had whatever. And I hear it so much that you get to the point where you go, Oh, you sorry about the grunts, it's the baby. You hear it so much that you get to the point where you're like, uh, yep, something's going on here. There's This isn't just a uh, just just a one-off thing. There's a trend going on here, which leads me to ask the question and research and look up what in the hell is going on with women these days and mental illness, because that's what we're talking about, mental illness. The term mental illness, is um, it brings to mind by a lot of people, myself included, things like uh, just... The fact that they're just, you know, nuts. Then go cutting off his ear kind of nuts. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. schizo, that type of losing touch with reality. No, mental illness just, you know, encompasses a lot of different things. Yes, if you have severe anxiety and it's somewhat debilitating, you're dealing with a form of mental illness. And let's get this out of the way. There's nothing wrong with it necessarily. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a horrible person. Let's send you off to the nut house or whatever. It's just like if I said I have... Um, really bad arthritis or something. What does that make me a a horrible person? No. So if your wife is suffering from 
severe anxiety, whatever, what may have you, you know, try to get to the bottom of it and figure out what's going on. Well, I, I mentioned this in the previous podcast when I said, uh, everybody, I got Mrs. DSO coming on. What do you want to talk about? A lot of guys know that she's a medical doctor. And so they asked a lot of medical related questions. And a few guys on there talked about, uh, how do you deal with uh, anxieties and, and the wife being stressed out and uh, mental problems? Yeah, and, and how that ties in with uh, medical problems. Yeah, let, let's talk about, you know, I hear often, um, my wife has, has suffered from something called fibromyalgia for years. Uh, my wife has uh, a myriad of autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, MS, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I hear often irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, all of these things, Dr. Mrs. DSO, are in fact tied to stress and anxieties it's, it's, and depression. It's, a, it's way more complex than that. Um, I don't even know where to begin. It kind of brings up the whole which came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah, you know, I when, think, when you have yeah. a woman that walks in, you know, my ex used to be, a, uh, or she still is, a physical therapist. And I think you can relate to this that when you, well, you deal with kids, but she would deal with adult patients. And when she would have a woman walk in the room, she said visually she could right away say, uh oh, um, here we go. And sure enough, the woman would talk about the quote. She said uh, often she would hear from patients say, my fibro. I have to deal with my fibro. And then she's like, I freaking knew it. Here we go. And yeah. so she just, in her mind, she had a type. That there was a type of woman, this overstressed, obviously super anxious, obviously not tolerating coping very well type, but you can just see it on their face. And then sure enough, yes, I have this debilitating disease or disorder called fibromyalgia. Yeah. Um, gee, where am I going to start? Um, I think there's a, there's a couple of things that we have to, to kind of take apart here and dissect a little bit. Um, the one thing is that, yes, chronic illness Maybe pain, maybe cancer, whatever it is, does does do a number on your on your mood, right? If you deal with daily pain, if you deal with infertility because of whatever underlying disorder you have, um, you take medications with serious side effects, um, you have a disability that renders you jobless. All of those are things that naturally make you more prone to be depressed, to be anxious, and so I'm, we're not necessarily talking about that. Um, we're talking about those people that that have a mental health issue like anxiety and depression and also have physical ailments that have um, kind of a wishy-washy description to them. You know, cancer is cancer. There's nothing wishy-washy about it. You can see it under yeah, the microscope. I was going to say, we can see cancer cells yeah. and go, oh, that looks bad. But stuff like fibromyalgia. Let's be honest. What is fibromyalgia? I've had something. You don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a complex... Pain syndrome. It and just means I hurt all over, and and the doctor says and I have trigger points, and we cannot figure out what the hell's causing this. Yeah, and I re and it responds to an antidepressant as a medication. Well, that says a lot, doesn't it? Correct. Well, and what, what percentage well then, of, of sufferers of fibromyalgia are women? It's a large proportion, like eighty some percent, I think. Yeah. Is what it but is. and then there's um, there's irritable bowel syndrome, which a lot of people who suffer from it equate to inflammatory bowel disease. Very, very different. An inflammatory bowel disease, also, by the way, linked to psychiatric disorders, is some one of those diseases you can find on the microscope, under the microscope. It's a, it's a disease, you know, where you can see manifestations if you look at the intestines, if you do a scope. Um, and, uh, those people have a lot of pain. They undergo through a lot of surgeries. 
some of them have to live with uh, an ostomy, meaning you know the, the portion of their intestine coming out through their abdominal wall for a good part of their life. So those people often have mental health issues as well. But irritable bowel syndrome is one of those, again, where you look under the microscope, you can't find anything. These people have been scanned, you can't find anything. And at the end of the day, they get the diagnosis because the doctor has an, a scoring system and says, yep, you have this disease, you have this symptom, meaning you have crampy abdominal pain. Uh, yes, some of the foods trigger it. Yes, it gets better as soon as you have a bowel movement. Yes, sometimes you have stress. And when you have stress, you have diarrhea. So if you hit all these points on a question there, you get diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. So those are just two of those diseases that seem to be, if we're talking about the, the chicken and the egg, seem to be n more the result of an underlying mental issue rather than the cause. Um, whereas, you know, cancer and multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease, those are more likely the cause of the mental health issue. Nonetheless, all of these are really closely linked and all, as you said in the beginning, can all be explained to some degree by the big denominator of inflammation. There's some inflammation in your body that makes you sick. Um, it either gives you a, a, a real disease, a real meaning a disease you can see mm -hmm. under the microscope mm -hmm. that you can test for, or it gives you a, a mental Ill illness, or it gives you that weird syndrome of fibromyalgia. And uh, we see a lot of those diseases on the rise, those inflammatory diseases, where, whether it's um, multiple sclerosis, whether it's inflammatory bowel disease. We see um, in appendicitis, for example. I see kids every day, seven, eight kids get their appendix removed every day. It's an inflammatory disease. I also see about 10 suicidal kids in our emergency room every day. Um, so what's going on? Why, why is everything so inflamed, including the, the minds of the people? And I think that's, that's what we got to dig a little deeper. Why is it? And what can we do to turn it around? So yeah. it's by your estimation that the root of many, probably not all, but of many of the problems is it's a state of inflammation that they are in and it's brought on, uh, is the proper term environmentally, meaning something outside of your body that you were introducing to your body is causing this. And yeah. the number one thing you think is what, what you're putting in your mouth, food. That's a big part of it. Um, we have more and more, I mean, obviously we have a lot of evidence that pollution, plastics in your environment, all that, you know, pesticides that you're exposed to, all that stuff is, is harmful to your body and may contribute to, to some of that. Um, but then we also know that countries like the U.S. that tend to have a, a, a less healthy diet, we, we tend to eat really shitty food, let's be honest. America has the worst food I have ever tasted in my entire life. I, can, I, I think I can count on one hand the times in the U.S. that I've had a good meal in nine years. Yes, but perhaps you haven't had our corn dogs. I'm sorry, no. They're Mustard terrible. on there. They're disgusting. Delicious. It's horrible food. It's it's guys. It's not food. It you're eating trash. We eat a lot of packaged items. Yes. Or, or what the people in the healthy eating world like to call processed food. Meaning it, it doesn't yes. come off a tree. We didn't go out and kill it. We didn't take it out of a farm field or whatever. We had to make it in a lab somewhere or something and call it a Twinkie. But here's the thing. Call it, yeah. Here's the thing. There are, if you just put in mint, I did this, I actually literally did this. I went on PubMed, which is our do doctor's database for published articles and research. All I typed in in the search bar was mental health. What do you think popped up first? The first 10 articles were all about mental health and nutrition. And it was all about how 
so and so many over 70% of people in the US of the young people eat processed foods or fast food as a primary um, source of nutrition. And guess what? It's extremely closely linked to uh, an anxiety and depression diagnosis. There's um, a really cool study that I read about 10 years ago um, where they took a group of people with depression and a control group of people without depression. And both groups were given fast food for one week. And then um, after a little cleansing break, they got um, whole foods for one week. And guess what? The depressed people had no changes when they ate fast food. But they support. They reported improved depression after they ate the whole foods for a week, and the people that were not depressed had no changes when they ate whole foods. But guess what? After they ate whole, um, fast food for a week, they reported signs of depression on the questionnaire. I think that says a lot. Well, it's one thing to say, eat bad stuff makes you feel bad. What is the mechanism at play in the body that says, "Oh shit, this is a Big Mac." Versus, oh, look, a mango. <laughs> I think there's a, a bunch of factors here. Yeah. One of it is um, how is the nutrition, uh, co- what is, what's the composition of the nutrition you put in? Now, what's the macros? How, what, what is the protein source? What is the sugar source? How fast are the sugars entering your brain? That's one aspect. The other aspect is um, added chemicals. And then I think a, uh, another big part is the the way we eat. If you eat fast food, you usually shove it in your face while you're driving your truck into the, the you know the car wash. Whereas if you eat process your own meal that you made at home, you sit down, you eat it with your family, you take your time, you eat with all your senses, you eat different textures, you eat different colors of food. Um, that in itself is a whole different eating experience. I think that plays into it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then there is the whole big topic of the microbiome, and that's something that we can go could go on for mm-hmm. hours. So microbiome meaning the the uh, little bacteria that live inside of our tummies. Yeah. So we got a lot of those. There, is, I just recently read a study that they checked the microbiome of people across the entire world, and they saw that the most industrialized nations have a completely different spectrum of gut gut bacteria than the less industrialized nations, and. If they, however, compared it to the gut microbiome of the the industrialized nation and how it was 50, 60 years ago, it shows that we shifted. So 50, 60 years ago, we had a completely different composition of gut bacteria. Um, so they think that that shift to a different spectrum is one of the reasons why we're seeing so many diseases pop up. Um, we have seen links of appendicitis with the different microbiomes. So kids that get appendicitis tend to have a different colonization in their gut. People that have multiple sclerosis have a different microbiome than people that don't have it. People that get Parkinson's have a different microbiome. And the the medical topic of of the well, the decade has been um, autism and people on the spectrum. Yeah. And it's been shown. They have that a different microbiome. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And they all, but here's the thing people with autism also often have very restrictive diets. They're very picky eaters. So mm, here's the question right. what yeah. came first? Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that a lot of the diseases that we see are human made. They're, they're, they're product of our industrialization and of our lifestyle. And because it is so normalized in the US to eat shitty food, we don't even question it. We don't even think that this might be un- it might be unhealthy to go to McDonald's every other day or eat you know eat 
I mean, if you go to Chick-fil-A, the lines are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, th- that, I think that's the normal diet for the majority of Americans. Uh, growing up, my mom said, yeah, you can have fast food once a year. McDonald's was a once a year kind of thing for me. So I th- it wasn't normalized in Europe when I grew up. I think it is now. Um, but I think that's the, the big thing is people will say, well, I'm eating okay. I'm eating healthy. You wouldn't believe how often I've heard parents tell me, well, my kid eats fine. And then they order breakfast and they order four Big Macs and, fr- and French toast. And you're just thinking, how is that a fine diet? How is that good eating? It's not. There's not a single source of fiber. The ignorance around the the whole topic of the food that you shove in your face, it, really health in general, is insane to me. Yes, People the illiteracy. Have, yeah, yeah, health illiteracy. People have just very little concept of what they put in their mouth, You know what to do exercise wise it just kind of baffles me that people are just walking around with these bodies and have just zero concept of what makes them run properly yeah and so and i don't want to say that hey all you people with depression and multiple sclerosis you're, you're all doing it to yourself. it's all your yeah you're doing this to yourself it's all your fault that that's not exactly at, at all what i'm saying it's well but you know what uh, some well, some of me absolutely some are. people are doing it to themselves yeah. and it's hard to get out of it because, dang, that Chick-fil-A sandwich tastes so good. Those fries are so good because they're salty. Okay, so there's the there, there's the, the the whole one facet of it is what you put in your mouth. Yeah. And then there's the other. I mean, when people say, I, I suffer from severe anxiety, any doctor, therapist, whatever, worth their salt will start with, what, do, what are you eating? Yeah, and you. And are you getting up and moving your body often? Yeah. Um, are you exerting yourself? Are you at least walking so many steps a day? Have you tried the gym? Have you tried swimming? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And then also, do you socialize with other people? Yes, um, that's th- the next part of lifestyle. Yeah, because it, we know it's a form of, uh, it's considered a form of torture to take a person and throw them in a room and don't interact with other human beings for an extended period of time. And it's yeah. a form of punishment, you know, solitary confinement. But at least by law, they have to let those guys out of the room at least one hour a day. Otherwise, they lose their minds. Yeah, and, and it's, no, uh, it's not news to anybody that working out on a regular basis, meaning, you know, three, four times a week, at least 30 to 60 minutes, reduces inflammation, reduces anxiety, re- reduces, uh, actually increases testosterone levels. So it's... It, it, that's a known fact, but apparently a lot of people still don't have it internalized or they have some form of cognitive dissonance where they're thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, that doesn't apply to me. Or they say, I, I can't do it because of my joints, because of my fibro, because of my mm. PCOS, name whatever disease you have. And um, and I think that's where the other cause of mental health issues comes up. Then those are the societal factors. The um, yeah. generation we live in is just very differently wired. And it's it doesn't help that we are so interconnected as a society via the Internet. Um, if I'm a housewife with fibromyalgia, or you know what, let's make this more realistic. If I'm a teenager who's not quite, who's going through puberty, and I'm not quite so sure about my sexuality, um, I'm not very happy with my body, that girl or boy can get on the internet and talk to very quickly thousands and thousands of people that convince them that um, you have something very wrong with you. Uh, well, yeah. I, wanna, I don't want to go down. Gender, you have gender identity say, issues. I don't know if I want to go down that world. But uh, um, there, there is a, 
There is a component of a lot of what we see in the in the news today in regards to mental health issues, whether, whether it's gender dysphoria, whether it's uh, it's eating, a reinforcement eat, eating disorders, whatever. Yeah. It's almost like a uh, um, uh, mania. I don't know if that's the proper term. Mania yeah. is that the right term? Um, no, hysteria maybe. Hysteria maybe that's it. Or yeah. what is the? Uh, wh- it's what? like a shared craziness. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we see, you know, 20 years ago, the interconnectedness that we have now didn't exist, not to this degree. So when this girl talks about her eating disorder or I'm harming myself or whatever else and she shares that, all those people that she's sharing that with are far more apt to say, well, maybe I should do something like that. And they don't overtly say that, but it's been implanted in their brain and combine that with some anxiety that's increasing and so forth. And it's just... This just snowballs. It spirals out of control. I'm not explaining it very well, but it just just snowballs out of control. Well, the thing is that you have a bit of a selection happening. What what type of people spend the majority online posting about their issues? It's the people that have issues. So if you are a teenage girl again and you are having an eating disorder, it's very likely that you're going to be posting selfies nonstop on Instagram and that you get a lot of comments from other teenagers that are also posting selfies of themselves Mm -hmm. because they have body dysphoria. So there's all these these people with similar issues that meet online and have an an anonymous forum to exchange your thoughts. And what used to be a oh, I have an eating disorder, I hope my mom and dad never find out kind of thing, and I'm living in the dark with this secret, and somehow I, I may or may not get over it kind of thing, It's is now a shared, as you said, a shared hysteria, a shared craziness of masses that connect and, and find companionship in their in their insanity. And I think that just, as you said, spirals out of control. And it's so funny, we long for a sense of community and and joining and belonging to others it's just a natural part of being a human and you just you just said it where people find a, a belonging and a, a pack and a tribe but they're all gathered around wow aren't we dysfunctional yeah and so that positive or th- that reinforces whatever's going on with them i just saw and it normalizes it too. i just saw something on twitter the other day that amongst the uh, young i don't millennials or whatever the next level gen z what they're the, the latest holy shit are you kidding me is um they're bonding over or saying that they have split personalities. Oh, God. Like my my other, <laughs> I think they call it my others. I have an other who likes coffee, but my other other is lactose intolerant and can't. And my other, and you're reading this and like this is and it just again spread like wildfire. And you realize there are thousands and thousands of kids all over that are talking about you know split personality. Yeah, is what is is an. I think that's kind of been uh, proven as not really being a thing. Back when I was a it's kid, it's a the, rare thing. Back when it's I was a kid in the eighties, it was every other yeah. TV movie was about a woman with ninety personalities, and yeah. we were, it's not nearly as common as what we think. What's disassociation? That's is that yeah. the proper term. Yeah, I think so. And um, it, a lot of what we see is so rare, but then all of a sudden, uh, people start talking on the internet. And, oh wow, it's instances of this have gone up 600 percent well yeah, it's, it's like the gender dysphoria thing it's not that common is it is it now it is well then that begs the question of um yes it was that common it's just it's more exposed now it's more it, there's less shame around it and there's less shame or no you get 10 people talking about this which goes to 100 people which goes to a million people and hmm, people are yeah. way more susceptible than what we think to group think yeah and the, and the mania and the 
you know, uh, there was a very interesting story. Remember, we listened to this. I think it was a podcast about some police officers that went into a drug bust that they knew was going to be like fentanyl was the big drug. Yeah. Do you remember this? And uh, after they left the place where they busted all these people with what they thought was fentanyl and heroin and everything, the the, the police were like, uh, one guy's like, I don't feel very good, and I, I'm not able to stand, and I feel ill. And the guy, other guy's like, Yeah, me too. And everything every all of a sudden everybody was getting sick from doing this drug bust if i'm remembering the story right and it turned out there were there was no drugs there's nothing there yeah, but it's it was a, all, yeah. it was psychosomatic it was they were they were creating this thought in their head one guy went and the other guy said yeah me too and then the other guy says yeah me too and then the whole police force is like we're all sick with fentanyl and the there was same. no fentanyl guys yeah remember the story of the cheerleaders in a small town high school Yes. That one of them had a seizure disorder, and within yep. a, a year, eleven other cheerleaders from the same cheerleading camp had the same Perfect manifestation, example. and they all found out that it was just hysteria. Now let's let's point out something way uncomfortable and politically incorrect, and this is not insulting to ladies in any way, shape, or form. You ladies tend to do this, whatever we're calling this. We have more. Well, the thing is, we have more empathy, more yes. compassion, and we are social beings. So we try to. We are also seeking harmony, and we are the the great equalizers in a community. That's kind of our role. If you go all the way back to Neanderthals, so we, I think, neurologically, psychologically, are wired to to mirror whatever is going on uh, amongst our peers mm -hmm. to, to equalize everything and to, to, to create harmony within the group. So we are more likely to copy one another. So if you have a, a common scenario, uh, I'm a mom, I don't have any career, I've lost my sense of self, I have three or four kids, I'm stuck at home, I'm Facebooking like crazy, and I'm drinking two bottles of wine a day, and all of a sudden I'm noticing women online getting attention for something that's called fibromyalgia and they say their their back hurts and this hurts and they, yeah, my back hurts too and my knee hurts too and yeah i have a hard time doing this i have a turn and then next thing they know the guy's his wife saying you know i think i have this disorder that disorder i think i'm autistic i think i have this and that and the guy's like where the hell did this come from um so it's like combined with that heightened empathy uh, with a what we also know is that women tend to rank higher in what we call trait um, uh, neuroticism. So, men and women overall, when you rank, you know, you do a questionnaire and over personality traits, and um, we're more alike than we are different in terms of a lot of personality traits. But as far as who are the most neurotic, it's pretty much women have that covered. Um, they worry more. You, yeah. It's just as, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's as simple as that. When you and I go to bed, we say good night, switch off the lights, you turn around and you snore within 10 seconds. Yes. I spend another half hour making grocery lists, worrying about <laughs> what the kids are going to need to wear in the winter. And if we have enough clothes for them uh, and, and like yes. a half hour later, I'll be booking family vacations on online. So yeah. That's that's the difference. We mm -hmm. we again that brings us back to we're the social beings. We hold the community together, so we worry about everybody and everything. Th this is kind of a, we've talked about this before. Here's a here's a real difference in men and women. Um, as a man, what do I have in my brain as far as things to worry about or things to concern myself with? Oh shoot, sorry, I'm dropping things. Um, it's about four or five things and done. <laughs> that's all I got room for. It's about four or five things. But as a man, if I'm doing my job, I'm pretty good at handling those four or five things. I got them covered. You know, work, my health, my family, whatever it may be. Women, on the other hand, have 1,237 things in their mind at all at one least. time. 
Yeah, and and here and here, okay. Can I intercept here? Yes. Or will I break your thought process? Yes. Good. Um, so here's the thing: if you open up a tw your Twitter feed, you read your Twitter feed, you read it, see the news, you're mm -hmm. done. I read the Twitter feed and I get all stressed. I'm like, oh my god, this means we're gonna go in lockdown again because COVID is spreading. Oh my god, I see. Um, This and this politician and this and this country has said that. That means, oh my gosh, it's going to come to the U.S. too. Um, oh man, this means I may never get my never get my green card. Like it just it sets me into anxiety much faster than it would you because you do not spiral in your head. Yeah. When you read something, you just take the input, you process it, you're done. And the processing for a lot of men, whether we're, we're uh, aware of it or not, is okay. I got I got room in my head for these four or five things. And then all of a sudden, here comes this thing from the periphery over here going, hey, what about me? Worry about me. And we look at it for a second and we say, do I have any control over this thing? Does it impact my life in any way, shape, or form? No? Off the table. Back to the four or five things. And a lot of women go, well, hey, no, 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 no don't don't shove that aside. We got we to worry about this. This is the thing. And, and as men, we get frustrated. I don't want to worry about this thing. I don't have room in my head for this thing. I only got four or five things, and I do well at that. Now, Good and bad with that. Women look at men and say, "You guys don't multitask nearly to the level that we do." No. And I would agree with that. And us men look at you women and say, "You know the hundred and one thousand four hundred fifty-two things that you worry about. You can scrap. You know, you can wipe off one thousand four hundred and forty-eight of those things." But <laughs> um, and the fact that you keep piling on all those things, you're invariably going to fail at ninety-nine percent of them. And it's just going to send you further into a spiral of true, anxiety. But, but we do create awesome homes for you, don't we? There's positives to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. There is a, a positive aspect to that. But as, as everything, anything negative comes with a positive effect. So typically that neuroticism, that multitasking, that mirroring of people comes with the, the benefit of us being the homemakers, the, you know, the people that think of everything when we go on a family trip. How often have you used my tight stick in my purse? Or yeah. how often have I had a Band-Aid in my purse? Like <laughs> things that other people things don't. I don't think about. Yeah. yeah. Do, you no, don't have a let purse. Me, let me pause there. If you guys are hearing, let me, let me stop for a second so you can listen. <laughs> our daughter is apparently related to Darth Vader. <laughs> She's in the little baby carrier. <laughs> On Mrs. Diaz's chest and just breathing heavily. So, in case you hear that, that's the that's the infant. Anywho, so, well, you know, kind of where we're going with this. Well, we're well, actually, we we lost uh, a little bit of our our or path. We always go off the path, but that's yeah. that's, that's a discussion. Well, but I also wanted to get into yeah. the whole thing of um, we're an infantilized generation. Mm. We are not adults. Oh, this brings up a good thing because I was one thought I had was. We're talking about poor diet, poor exercise. There have been times in the history of the planet where people starved, where you had six kids and four of them died. And that's why you had six kids, because you knew four of them were going to die of disease and everything else. Stress, yeah, there was war. And you, you watched your mother get murdered. Horrible, awful times. And we're spoiled rotten in the time that we're in right now, where I can literally just get on my supercomputer device in my phone tap into something and some guy will bring me um $30 worth of shitty food to my front door or go to Amazon and buy whatever the hell I can think of or, or there's Walmart here five minutes down the road this is new this is why is it then with all of this that we have creature comforts 
you know, to the nth degree where we don't have to worry about a damn thing. And um, even if you're poor in the Western world, compared to the poor of, you know, hundreds of years ago, whatever the, no, it's, there's no comparison. So, and yet today we have things, I think it was um, uh, George Carlin, he was a comedian. I, I used to like, uh, had a thing about uh, different disorders of the privileged. And he's like, if rich woman doesn't want to eat effer, is what he said, something to that effect. So if she's starving herself, whatever. It's, in other words, that's just a disease of the privilege is, oh, I, I can't eat. I can't stand my body. And if, which a lot of us just roll our eyes. So what the hell, and you're, you're hitting on this, the child infantilization of people that we're not, we're not stepping up and facing and coping. That's well, what we're talking yes, about, right? because we have, I mean, this is now at least the second generation. Yeah. I would say the second generation that grows up in, in wealth, like even, even the poorest of the poor, well, that's not true, but, but even the relatively poor in this country usually have their basic needs met, meaning they have shelter, they have food, they have clothing. Uh, there unfortunately are a lot of people in this country that have not much of those, which is terrible. Um, but the majority of us in the second generation now have had all our needs met, um, and we never lacked anything. So we never had to really cope with severe stuff. And there's interestingly a theory out there that says um, our bodies and our cortisol levels, meaning our stress hormone levels, are designed to experience some sort of anxiety just for survival. Yeah. And living in a world that's absent of stress factors, like legitimate stress factors, I'm not talking about whether your show is going to be renewed for another season. Um, so in, in living in a world that's absent of real stress factors, our bodies automatically search for something to get stressed over. Like our cortisol levels are still getting spat out and we're, we're feeling anxiety just because of the natural fluctuation our horm in our stress hormone levels. And then we start linking that stress and that anxiety to other stuff. So we decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get nervous about my eating ha habit. I'm going to get nervous mm -hmm. about going to work. I'm going to get nervous about going to the grocery store. I don't want to hang out with people. So that's a theory. I don't know if I buy it entirely. I think there's a much, much simpler explanation. I think it's just us having grown up in, in wealth, having had parents that had more time for us, that had better education, that spent spend more time raising us being aware of the dangers out there the classic helicopter parents so we grew up having parents that in a lot of cases made decisions for them like my mom decided this is the school you're going to this is the language you're going to learn um and i didn't have to make those decisions for myself as for myself and um we now have kids i mean we have kids like that at home that they can't really make a decision for themselves like like we have a a kid that's going to college next year and she hasn't even really mm -hmm. pondered the idea of it much. She's basically waiting for us to say, here, this is where you're going to go. Mm -hmm. We already signed you up for it. And how, how do we expect generations that are raised that way to cope with a boss that says you're fired because your productivity is below 100%? We have kids that get participation trophies now in the third generation. Well, you know what? We're going into a really... Um, <laughs> this is a political hot fire topic. We just saw... Over the past year, year and a half now, with the pandemic, that really shine shone a light on um, neuroticism, coping skills, coping skills uh, of how here you go, here's a disease that's going around, and we can see night and day how people are, are reacting to it, 
and on both sides. It's so over the top and so yes. all over the place. Yes. People are going nuts over this. Yes, I mean, on one hand, you have people that say, I'm not going to wear a mask. And then on the other hand, you have people that say, oh, my God, we're all going to die about a disease that, that still has a pretty low mortality rate compared to other diseases. But one big example here is COVID had everybody in a panic, right? Uh, COVID was over for a little bit here in the summer. And um, all of a sudden, my hospital, a children's hospital, was at capacity. We were stressed, stretched to the max. We were stressed beyond belief. And why? Because we had the RSV, the the respiratory virus that kills a lot of kids every year come out because the kids Which has were, been around for generations. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. It actually causes a lot of the long-term symptoms that COVID can cause. It has a lot of links to COVID um, in terms of how it functions. And But nobody knows about it. It wasn't in the news. It wasn't mentioned anywhere. Nobody was aware of it. But I, being the physician that's exposed to that virus on a daily basis, I was like, dang, this is what I'm really worried about. I don't care about COVID for our newborn here. I worry about this virus going around right now. So where I'm going with that is that um, the coping skills are already not there because we are these entitled helicoptered kids that got participation trophies and didn't actually have to put a lot of effort in or didn't experience failure in life really mm -hmm. growing up. And then pair that with the omnipresence of information, misinformation, whatever you want to call it, fake news, and, and real information that is constantly flooding our brains. I mean, we yeah. cannot escape it. There is a uh, there is a um, predominant thought process or culture that says life in general should be fantastic and awesome and amazing and storybook Hollywood with little blips of terribleness every now and then. When in reality, life is pretty freaking tough and it's pretty holy shit with blips of yay and then back to oh, really tough and really and. Um, you can see that, and I see that with grown men a lot that I talk to who who are, this horrible thing happened to me, this, this, and this. And can you tell me how I am supposed to cope with this? How am I supposed to deal with this? And the answer is, you just do. Yeah, you suck it up, man. And that's You know, it sounds terrible. Hey, be yeah. tough, put on your big boy britches and deal with it. But really, when it boils down to it's, are you uh, taking care of yourself? Are you getting out of the house? Well, no. Are you working out a couple times a week? Well, bump that up. You hanging around some buddies, talking to people. Well, I don't really have anybody to talk to. I would remedy that right away. It's probably a big part of your problem. Are you drinking? Yeah, well, I don't do that. So it's just really, these yeah. are coping skill things. Take care of yourself. Don't do that. And a lot of people are just like, yeah, but I shouldn't be feeling this. Yeah. I, it shouldn't be like this. Yeah, this and, is and so, oh gosh. this is so acutely yes. horrible that I can't deal with it. Here's an example. I had a 16 year old come to my hospital the other day, and uh, he said, I, "I'm here because I'm sick, and you need to fix it." And I said, "Listen, kid, you have a virus. It's just a stomach bug. You go home. You drink plenty of fluids. You eat some Jello, some crackers, and you'll be fine in a few days." And he looked at me with this stare of, what kind of doctor are you? You're supposed to, he actually said, but you're supposed to fix me. Why, I can't go home like this. I'm sick. And I said, yeah, welcome to life. That, that's that's what life does to you. Sometimes you get sick and a few days later you get better. Mm -hmm. And that kid left feeling completely scammed because he couldn't believe that I wouldn't take his discomfort away. But that's the kind of world we live in. And so the more we talk about this, the more we sound like the... Those old people, like kids these days. No, and and, and I'm not saying nobody that was. Because, a, you know, I went through. I walked oh, no. through ten feet of snow on my way to school. If both, I look both, at both if, ways, yeah, yeah, but look at our parent generation. They're all messed up. <laughs> I 
mean, they just didn't cope um, the way that we cope with it. They coped with it by drinking, you know, by by being that creepy uncle, by, <laughs> I don't know, I mean, they had their issues. How many people came back from World War II and had horrible PTSD? People and, have always had issues about everything. Yeah, people yeah. people have always had issues. It's just that they weren't outspoken. They didn't seek help. They didn't get a formal diagnosis. And nowadays we do. So what we're describing is very much the typical human condition. But it just seems that it's been somebody took the knob and just cranked it up here in recent memory. It's Well, the shame is all gone about it. So people are like, yeah, I got this disease too. And yes, I'm depressed too. And so it's shared more. To the point where it's not necessarily shame is gone, but also there's a victimhood mentality, which is. Uh, That's a big point. It's paraded and it's it's promoted as, you're darn right, now you belong to this group. Don't you have a feeling of belonging by the fact of your disorder, of your. Well, well it's, it's a great excuse, not. too. If you can say, hey, I, I couldn't get out of bed this morning because my joints hurt, I have fibromyalgia. We keep picking it's, on this poor fibromyalgia. I'm sorry, I can't think of anything else. But I just remember in medical school, those were always the patients where we were like, yeah. We see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you have other issues too. Uh, you know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, you've always talked about you have a teen girl and she's like, I have stomach pain. And yep. you do all the scans, you're like, there's nothing wrong with this girl. You immediately go, and she's probably anxious and depressed. So let's do a little psych. And yep, there it is. She tried suicide last year and she did. Oh boy, here we go. Yep. Chronic abdominal pain in girls is a very common thing. And unfortunately, a lot of them have anxiety, depression. And yet we still take out their gallbladders and their appendices because we, you know, we have to rule that out first. Yeah. So let's let's go full full circle here back to what kind of started this whole thing, which is you're a guy listening to this and you're like, all right, here's the deal. My wife won't leave the house because of COVID. She won't let our our kids leave the house because of COVID. Um, she suffered with anxiety for years. Um, she was a victim of whatever sexual abuse in the past, so therefore we can't do anything sexually in the bedroom. This, this poor woman's a mess. Mm-hmm. And here I am as a guy kind of dealing with this. And a lot of this stuff with the guys that I speak to comes to an ugly head because the man suddenly had an epiphany in life. You know, he's getting close to 40, 50, whatever, and he's like, I'm going to turn myself around, and I'm going to lose 50 pounds and really get my life in order, and I feel amazing. And then he turns to the wife and says, huh, let's do this together, you and me. And the wife says, F you, I'm depressed. I have this disorder, I have that disorder. I can't do this. It's COVID. I can't. You're a monster for even suggesting such a thing. This is terrible. It really shines a light on, oh, wow, my wife has some problems. Yeah, and, and you could just say, hey, just seek a counselor and fix yourself. Well, there's one problem. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to find a counselor. It's hard to find um, mental health help that is actually good. There's a bunch of horrible counselors out Which there. is a great segue. No, no, <laughs> this no. This is terrible. And to our sponsor. Today. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you go to betterhelp.com, betterhelp.com slash DSO, betterhelp.com slash DSO, which stands for dad starting over. Um, they're officially a sponsor of ours now, which is an online counseling therapist platform. You can interact with a counselor. You don't have to see them in person. You interact via your phone. You can look at them on the FaceTime, you can text with them, you can email them, you can talk to them over the phone, but they are licensed therapists that help with this type of stuff. Stuff that goes beyond coaching that myself and the team at Dad Starting Over do. Yeah, and I've been using them for 10 years. 10 years? No, that's not true. How long have I been divorced for? 
we've okay, met. Okay, so going on 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. So eight, well. eight years. Yeah, I've been using it for eight years because I figured after that divorce, I need some help to, to not repeat past mistakes, to see my role in the failure of my first marriage. Mm. Um, and this is another thing so we're I'm shining using. light on. Yeah. You just said, I need some help. And uh, was there any shame in that? Uh, in the beginning, I remember going to the uh, first counselor like 10 days out of my marriage. And I sat on the couch and I started bawling, reaching for the Kleenex. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is so cliche. This is so stupid. <laughs> I, I'm not like that. Like this, I can't believe I'm at this point in my life where I'm, I'm basically a bad soap opera. Um, but then after a while, I realized hmm, there's a lot of people in better help. And there's a lot of people talking about their life coach, their counselor. And I realized, no, there's really no shame about it. It's it, still it, not something you want to brag about, but it's also something that probably everybody is doing. They're, they're seeking some form of help these I days. I see it as, as, you know, you're exercising a muscle like anything else. Yeah, it actually, I consider, so I'm still using better help because, uh, just with everyday stuff, and there's st stuff that I can't share with my mom. There's you stuff formed that a relationship I, with the yeah, woman. I formed it's been with the same and I woman. see her as almost like a mother yeah, as like figure. a mother figure. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I consider my daily chats with her a self care thing. I have a half hour every day where I just text her and say, "Hey, this is what happened today. This is how I processed today, and this is what I think didn't go well, and where I could have done better as a person." And basically, it's a it's a diary that talks back to you. That's how I feel I about like that. It. And it has helped me a lot over the years. And uh, my counselor actually said, yes, you've made some progress in, a, in a, a lot of things that you weren't dealing well with in the beginning when we met. So, uh, yeah, I, I found that, yes, I did play a role in the failure of my first marriage. And uh, knowing that I'm going into a complicated relationship, long distance, previous kids from a previous marriage, our own kid, I, I just knew that we were entering something where it takes every coping skill available to make it work so that's why i seeked help and i think that's the issue a lot of women are like you to either take me the way i am or mm -hmm. go uh, hit the road kind of goes back to the um our, our uh, discussion on the last podcast which was a lot of women have a sense of entitlement like perhaps you don't know that i have the vagina in this relationship so you kind of have to deal with a lot here mister um, I think some of that bleeds over into this where I'm a woman and I have a lot of uh, very real mental issues and the man will say, uh, well, you got, you kind of need to get some help with this to which a lot of women turn and say, oh yeah, or what in so many words. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't want to do that. Well, or I have tried counseling. I and it tried stinks. it in the past and the woman I met right. with made me feel bad. You know how many times I hear that? I went to one and they made me feel bad. I didn't like what they say, so I'm out of here. And sometimes right. guys go with the woman to like a marriage counselor or a group and they will sit there and he'll be like, I'm really concerned about my wife. She's had these issues. She's had anxiety, depression. The other day she talked about you, you wouldn't miss me if I died, so I'm very concerned. Da, 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 da. And he leaves and thinks it's productive, and the wife's like, "I'm not going back. All that was was you two just beating up on me." Yeah. So, or, or I've done therapy for five years and it did nothing for me. Yeah, because it's a slow process. There's that. There's that sense of uh, lack of uh, coping skills. You know, sitting in a room with somebody and they're making you feel bad for an hour. So there should be part of you that's the rational side of you that says, "Well, that's part of the process. If I want to get better." If I value myself and my marriage and everything, this is the kind of crap I have to go through. Kind of like, well, I better lose weight or else my husband's going to leave me or my wife's going to leave me, which means I have to go sweat and hurt and ex exert myself and 
not eat the Twinkie that I love so much. Same kind of thing. So I guess so. You guys out there, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so you guys out there. Uh, sorry, it's baby grunting. Um, there she goes. That that are you know I'm stuck in this situation. Here I have this wife who's got just this myriad of problems, and now that I'm getting better, it's just shining even more in a, more of a light on her of like wow, my wife's got issues, and this has been this way forever, and she just will not get help. And this just goes back to what we talked about, you know, um, in the last podcast with, and I'm about to leave this woman, and what kind of asshole am I? No, I think you're not, because um, it takes two to tango. You you did you learned your steps for the dance, and if the other person still stands there and doesn't want to memorize her steps, you can't dance. It's um. I mean, you can drag them along like a rag doll. You know, these th th there are. Uh, <laughs> scenarios that I hear so often that I have like little canned speeches that I spit to guys in, in, in our in our chats together. And one of my canned speeches is basically, um, you, sir, have zero chance of turning this around un unless she suddenly wakes up and has an epiphany and says, oh, holy crap, I'm about to lose my husband and my family all because of these problems that I have in general some control over and I can get some help with this and I haven't really given that much of a try. Let's do this. And then you better be patient because this is not going to be fixed tomorrow. Um, you know, it depends on the severity of issues, but a lot of women have such deep down in, ingrained anxieties and stresses and depressions and everything. You know, I've heard, you know, my wife had bulimia well and we found out she was bulimic while she was pregnant i've heard that uh, we, you know really severe stuff and um you guys got to be patient out there with this kind of thing and that's not me saying you better shut up and deal with it mister and just sit back for the next seven years as she goes to therapy with your fingers crossed be honest with yourself can you deal with this yeah. and i am saying this as a guy who if i'm being a thousand percent honest i will tell you i don't think so I, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, I mean, depression is often a chronic disease. A lot of the mental health issues are lifelong issues. It will always be there issues. to some degree. Yes. It will always be, it's like if she had some kind of debilitating thing where she needed to work out vigorously in order to walk. You know, something that other people just take for granted, they walk. Well, if she has some kind of debilitating thing that she has to go and work out five times a day, every day for the rest of her life or else she can't walk. That, that's the kind of level of work that it's going to take to to deal with these issues. Number one, they got to recognize I have an issue. Number two, I'm willing to put in the work to make it happen. And I'm willing to do this on a daily freaking basis. And there are going to be setbacks. Yeah. And, and kind of like if she's an addict, yeah. one day she's going to relapse. But here's the point. As long as you're dating an addict that says, yes, I have an addiction and I try everything to better myself. That's okay. But if you have an addict that says, I don't have the problem here, you have the problem. I, I'm going to be taking the drugs. I'm going to be drinking hard because I like it. That's the problem. You can't, you can't be with a person like that. But even if it's the person that says, uh, I'm an addict, I know I got a problem. I'm going to rehab. Great. Anybody in that rehab will pull you aside and say, are, are you really up for this, Mr. Husband? Because you're going to get a call a year from now saying, come pick me up at the hospital. I relapsed. You're going to get... Um, you know, come pick me up at work. I've been fired because they caught me drinking, whatever it may be. And she'll go up and down, up and down, sure. up and down. You hope, though, at the end of so many years that you go, hey, lots of up and ups and downs, but we made it. She's sober. This is great. I'm glad I stuck it out. You hope. But during that 10-year up and down ride, um, I think a lot of men, their knee-jerk reaction is, yeah, I'm her husband. 
That's, that's what I do. For better or for worse, of course I'll be there for. And then six months into it, dude, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> the other day we went to a session together, and it was terrible. Everything came out, and she made me out to be some kind of demon. And they told me, be, be positive. This is part of the process, et cetera. She's working through it. I, I don't know if I can do this. Because there's so much resentment built up. It's not like they just met. Hey, let's, No, it's 20 years of crap behind them yeah. that these people are dealing with. It is. This is a tough thing we're talking about. It here. is. And, uh, and, and only absolutely real, genuine love can probably pull you through that. For herself, again, for you, for her. for rare. Yeah, very. <laughs> keep coming back to that. Man, this stuff's rare. You two want to work on all these kind of issues and be patient with each other? I mean, let's get down to the brass tacks here. A lot of you guys are met me, internet speak, via the Dead Bedroom Fix, which means... Uh, uh, the book I wrote, which basically is, hey, guys, you want to have more sex in your relationship? Here's some things to try. So a lot of you are sex-starved. And what if you um, are dealing with this woman who has depression and therefore her libido's down in the toilet, therefore sex is actually repulsive to her, and you go to therapy and the therapist tells you, hey, you're in for about five, ten more years of this because there's some really deep ingrained stuff at a very visceral, basic human need level. Are you willing to hang up your penis for the next five, 10 years and say, uh, Hey, I don't need this. Be honest with yourself. Seriously. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong in saying, I don't think I can do this. I love you. I wish the best for you. But as far as being your husband and your loving romantic partners concerned, oof, I'll leave that for the next guy. Good luck. Yeah. And I think maybe, um, maybe we have to give ourselves some, some credit here or not credit, but a little bit of leeway here. We, we all marry and and say those vows of for better, for worse, sickness, health, rich and poor. But is that really the society we live in now? Is that really how it works? I mean, we when marriage, when weddings and marriages were were invented by society, we had a different society. We now have a society where a lot of us can be independent. The woman doesn't rely on the husband to be there. Um, we we have better self awareness. I mean, we we just have a different world. So I don't know if you have to feel guilty over breaking those vows. Again, that that is very much dependent on your on your value system and on your belief system. But don't go, don't get caught in this whole. Well, but I told her I'd be around for sickness and health, and I can't just drop her now. Um, th that's not what you're doing. You're you're also taking care of yourself, and you're you're looking out for yourself as well. And if if staying with your wife is at the cost of your own sanity and health, then then that may not be the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So to summarize, yeah, there seems to be a mental health something going on, crisis, whatever it may be, and yeah, seems to be really hitting the uh, ladies pretty hard. Uh, hey, can you, can I intercept here? Yes. You've never had PMS. You've never had a period, right? Maybe I have. It's 2021. It's not so far-fetched. But I, I would just, I would like to defend the ladies a little bit. Oh, yeah. But I, here's the thing. Yeah. Now you're, you're approaching something, which is, I don't like the fact that you're pointing out reality. No, I mean, no, you're pointing out reality. Yeah. But but also, give us a break, because we, we do deal with, with stuff that you guys never had to deal with. Well, like, let, me, let me say this. Yeah. The majority of psychopathic, murderous serial killers in like the history men. of the planet yeah. Men. The vast majority of violent criminals that are incarcerated right now. Men. Men. Um, That's testosterone for you. Yeah. yeah that's true. The vast majority of rapists. Men. Yeah. Uh, 
who who traditionally uh, nowadays we're seeing it more and more who um, sexually assaults children. Well, it's about oh. as low as you can get. Men, women yeah. are with this whole teachers thing going on, and what the hell's going on there? That's a whole other podcast in itself. The teachers with their young students. Oh, You've okay, seen this thing, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, who has sex with sheep? Men. So. We all know this. Yeah, you're and, right. us, and us men listen to this and go, yeah, I know a few psychos in my life. Yeah, I had a, I had a boss. I, I remember uh, when I w- went to work for that large company in Illinois years ago. Um, I think literally every male boss that I had was known for cheating on his wife. Wow. And here I am, you know, going on and about cheating women. I'm like, yeah, yeah men cheat too. Hell yeah. Men kill, men do whatever. So when I turn and say, and ladies... You tend to be more neurotic, and there's something going on with your levels of anxiety. You just did what a lot of women do. <laughs> no, no, no. What I'm saying is we have hormonal yes. imbalances Absolutely. that you guys don't deal with as much as we do. So I think a mm-hmm. lot of the reasons why mental health issues are maybe a little bit more prevalent in women and why inflammatory diseases may be a little bit more prevalent in women is because we have these really huge fluctuations every month that we go through. Oh, yeah. And, and so I think... That explains it. I'm not saying it excuses nope. it. It just explains it a little bit. And I, I just want to well, put that out as a reminder for you guys. I've often said to men, uh, hormones, man, they're everything. And if you don't believe me, here, let me give you a shot of estrogen. And then report back in a couple of weeks and what you feel. And these men will be like, I've just been crying and I just don't feel. And this is just my, my boss the other day said something and I didn't like it. And you're just like, uh-huh. And my nipples hurt. <laughs> it's like, yeah, welcome to the world of woman. Yeah, my nipples hurt right now too. And then uh, some men I've talked to that have gone through testosterone therapy and so forth, they will be in like this state of oh, trying out different things with the doctor. We're going to try this out. Well, it didn't work too well. Let's stop and let's try something else. Some of these men feel excuse the symptoms of um, menopause almost. Yeah, They have hot flashes and stuff because their testosterone's down, their, their estrogen's down, and they're, they're in the process. So they're like, I don't like this. I feel anxious and I feel terrible. And say, Welcome to being a woman. Oh, uh, by the way, um, you know how many postmenopausal female friends I have that go on testosterone? And they tell me, oh, my God, it is a game changer. I'm a new woman. I don't know how I lived without this before. We, we could talk about So uh, we can uh, go into this hormone yeah. replacement therapy topic right now but i'm just saying that um there are a lot of things in our life that are outside of our control such as our hormones uh, the level of inflammation our genetic makeup our lifestyle Mm. that those those things spiral out of control is what i'm saying they sent us into some illness whether it's a mental illness whether it's a de facto illness um but we can regain some of that control by making lifestyle changes, by, by, by finding hormone replacement, by finding whatever medication it is that fixes it. Um, and, and I think there is a little bit of power we can get back. We just have to educate ourselves on that. And that's a big issue that some people aren't willing to go that extra mile and read about it because they are comfortable in their victim, victim skin. Mm. Right, I think you just hit on something right there. Yeah. Being but, comfortable. And your victim, it, it becomes part of your um, persona, your, your persona, your sense of self. I've been this way and I've always been this way. That's just who I am. Um, Sorry, I totally broke your summary there. No, no, that's good. And um, so that's a tough thing to battle when you're dealing with a wife. Here you are, Mr. Energized and ready to <laughs> ready to restart in life and... and do things the right way, and here you are dealing with a woman saying, that ain't me, let me go. Uh, you married this woman here. This is the way I've always been, so I'm not going to tr- change just like that. 
just now. <laughs> Mrs. DSO, we just realized the mute button on your microphone. <laughs> That's <laughs> the whole time it's been there. That's awesome. We could have used that all this time. to. Oh, uh, to mute the, the bean? Yeah, yeah. All her grunts and everything oh, else. So. Yeah, I mean, you've muted yourself. I have, when I burp. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> take a drink. Wow. But anywho, so that was a good summary. Uh, I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. Get on the... Um, on the on Facebook, I will post this on there on the public group and within the private groups. Speaking of private groups, guys, go to dadstartingover.com. Click on the DSO fraternity graphic, or you can just go to dsofraternity.com, and you'll go to the sign-up page, and you will learn more about the group. It's the members-only group, part of the Dad Starting Over website. And um, basically... We have now over 800 men from around the world who get together and meet on a regular basis live. We chat online in private discussion groups that no one else in the world gets to see. Uh, we have members-only podcasts, articles. You have access to my uh, books in audiobook format as well as the uh, download the PDF. And we call that the DSO Fraternity. For $14.99 per month, you can join. Or $149 for the whole year. Or the latest option, which is become a lifetime member for $349. So check it out, dsofraternity.com. And thank you, Mrs. DSO. And we will catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one -on -one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.